0: Hey, so you've heard now ben talk about cal you've heard megan talk about the prayer and worship service on the first so some things coming up i uh, carve out those wednesdays starting in september september 1st will be a night of worship and prayer specifically to cover our children our parents and our teachers and administrators in prayer really really going to be a neat opportunity for us to do that there will be no bells or whistles we're just going to go and ask the lord to have his way which he he'll respond and he will do so that's on the first the eighth we start Cal. you can start signing up to volunteer for that and he's about 40 42 people a week to be able to do that well there's a board out front you can do that or you can sign up online to serve Family.church forward slash cow but what's right in front of us today in fact as we're talking right now uh the freshmen are moving in at Lincoln University. So in the past, we've had the great, great privilege of going over there and helping them move in, all the freshmen, and loving the families, supporting them, and helping them get those refrigerators, and couches, and futons up three flights of stairs, right? Really, really a neat opportunity for us. In the past, it's been on Saturdays. This year, it's on Sunday. Last year, we didn't get to do it because of COVID, but we get the opportunity. They reached out last week and said, hey, we could really use some help. We said, okay. And so uh, starting today, after the church. If you're listening to this in the morning, I would challenge you and encourage you to head on over there and help. And whether or not you got a good back, it can carry stuff. Great, great, great. Could use your help. Or you don't want to go over there and greet and help by hand out keys. Any of those things are really, really helpful. And as uh, Lincoln told us this past week, they are grateful for any help that they can get so uh, if you want to head right over there they've been moving in for a while our friends at redemption community church you may not know this but uh in a couple of weeks ago we kind of started partnering with this really great church out of oxford called redemption community church they met in a school with covid they were no longer able to meet in the school and so they were meeting in a basement of a church in peach bottom and we happen to have a whole nother church building so on sunday evenings they meet over at nlpc Great group of folks. They are, we're partnering with them. They're going over to Lincoln this morning. They're moving pe- folks in right now because they don't have church in the morning. And we're going to go meet them over there and help. So today, 11 o'clock, go help if you can. Uh, we would challenge you to wear a, a CLC shirt. If you don't have one, right out in the lobby when you head out, grab one of those if you want to. No pressure, but they're free for you to have. And Lincoln uh, does have inside their buildings a, a mask requirement. Okay, and so because we're good neighbors, we want to love them well, we just would ask you, as you if you're in those buildings, uh, just be prepared to put on a mask. If you don't have any masks anymore, you've thrown them away, understand that as well. Uh, inside the chapel where you pull up, you can get a mask, Okay. So, if you want more information about where you're going, what to do, clcfamily.church forward slash news, news, news. This goes straight to the news page, and there you will be able to click on the everything you need to know about Lincoln University. It'll have you, give you a map and all those things. But there's not very much you need to know other than we're going to show up and uh, say, how can we help? And then respond with uh, what their needs are, right? And so, when you go over to Lincoln University, tell the folks at the guard shack that you are here to serve and help, and they will send you on your way to go park at the chapel. Now, the way that you do that, when you pull in, you hang a left. You hang a left. You take the left, and you're going to meander through some parking lots on a road. And then you'll see kind of a construction zone and some fences. They're doing a lot of work over there, and you're going to keep on heading that way. And then you'll get almost to a building, and you will see a one-way that kind of wraps around the building. And you're going to take that, right? So just keep—after hang- you hang a left, just keep going straight till that hits a road, like a, r- a real road inside of the building. Like you'll know it's different than the parking lot. Hang a right on that road to so a left. Then a right, keep on going down, and you will see the big, beautiful chapel. You can park right there. You can grab a mask, and you can get to work. Got it? Thank you. Would love to see you over there. Thanks for listening. To that. Now, if you're brand new, it would be a really great day just to jump in and serve. So come on over and hang out with us. Grab a shirt, all those things. But if you are new, um, what we typically do, my favorite thing to do, is actually to just open up the scriptures and read them, and ask the Holy Spirit to make some observations for us. Right. So, uh, typically, what we've been doing for now, uh, more than a year, is we've just been going through a book of the Bible, and we've been going through this book called the Gospel of Luke. Now, uh, what you're going to see is this better series, which each and every week we're going to help you, help us make some decisions to take whatever that next step is for us in trusting God in His kingdom. But that's kind of the sub series of a bigger series I told you called the Gospel of Luke. And so, if you're brand new with us, been with us for a long time, quick reminder uh, the Gospel of Luke was written by a real person. his name was Luke this is really really important this isn't folklore myth or legend this guy Luke he had a mom and daddy he was born into this world he was well educated and became a doctor he was a scientist he was a doctor brilliant brilliant man we can uh, assume based on his writings in the scripture empowered by the Holy Spirit and so Luke was a doctor who was hired by this guy named theophilus another real person in human history and theophilus we believe was a roman official so you know how we were just singing that song king of my heart king of my heart king of my heart right talking about jesus well theophilus in this strange way had to declare a different king was the king of his heart it was caesar but here's the problem he knew caesar right a roman official he knew how broken and evil and manipulative and how caesar used his power over other people to get pleasure at the expense of them right their pain and so this guy theophilus is probably a guy who has a good life affluence influence but he's having to say that this guy caesar is lord king of his heart and caesar i mean uh, theophilus started to notice that there's these this group they were called christians which was a pejorative it wasn't a nice name called little Christians, tiny Jesuses, that were running around and declaring that Caesar isn't Lord, but that this guy Jesus was. And so Theophilus is kind of in this crossroads of whether or not he's going to continue to uh, sell his soul to Caesar, or if, like you and I are wondering, if there's something more to this world than just affluence and influence, fame and security. And so he's now wondering if he should trust in this guy named jesus at this point jesus has declared he's god declared he is king of the world declared that he brought his kingdom of god kingdom of heaven to earth and he gets murdered for it but what's crazy is he gets murdered then he comes back to life so these and then he kind of releases the movement of the kingdom of heaven to earth to his little bitty christians little bitty followers right and so these guys are declaring jesus as lord and as they're declaring it they're getting brutally beaten and punished and Murdered for it. But every time that happens, more and more people kind of pipe up and go, I'm a Christ follower too, right? And so Theophilus was so confused because these guys are literally, these Christians are losing their life, and he's going to send more to this world. And so as a guy who needs to stay in his government position, keep paying his mortgage, whatever those things are, he takes some of his money, and he hires this guy literally to go and investigate these claims. So Luke tells us in Luke chapter 1 verse 4 that the reason he writes it, and he tells us it's that, so that we could have certainty of the things we've been taught in other words he goes we can have certainty about what jesus taught about which is the kingdom of god so for the last year going, wouldn't it be nice to have some certainty and particularly wouldn't it be nice to have some certainty about is this world just going to be broken forever do we just have to kind of you know become indifferent about all the stuff because we can't feel the pain and we don't want to do those things should we just kind of look up and go it is what it is or is it possible that there still is joy and hope and peace to be found right now in the here and now, right? And so, even this is, if Theophilus was looking for this and he hires a guy to spend years, if not a decade, to go research it, how about we just jump in on, on his findings? So, the Gospel of Luke, written to Theophilus, also written to us, is going to show us his findings about what Jesus taught and what Jesus taught all about. So crazy this kingdom of God. 92 times between the four gospels the kingdom of god or the kingdom of heaven is uh, talked about and so what the kingdom of god is or the kingdom of heaven interchangeably right it is the opposite it's the anti-kingdom of earth right it's the opposite of what you see going on and it's the opposite of you know uh, bitterness brokenness corruption it's the opposite of those things so jesus didn't just come to save us from our sins he did but the way by which he came to save us from our sins is to actually usher in a new kingdom that we get to live in. And so what we've been doing each week is just open it up, and Luke's been writing these words. But one of the neat things, there's 1,151 wor- verses that he writes. 568 of those are just direct quotations of Jesus. And so he's just been reading these things, and, and this really neat sense, what we've been reading really over the last 10, 11 weeks is about Jesus teaching on this kingdom. And so, Luke is just citing Jesus over and over again, and he's teaching. Now, what he's teaching is he's teaching to a group of people, probably in the thousands at this point, a lot of religious people who didn't believe Jesus was Lord, they believed they had their own set of rules that would either make them their own God or make God like them more, right? And it's just bitterness and brokenness and control. So he's teaching to that group, and at the same time, he's got these little followers, little Christians following him. There's these twelve of the called disciples and then he adds more to the mix probably a hundred or more at this place of these little disciples following him and so he's taking moments just to teach them and every time he stops to teach crowds kind of come in and this is so strange because crowds didn't really congregate in the middle of nowhere two thousand years ago Right, Because it's really complicated because they don't have resources like food to eat or places to stay. And so Jesus is teaching and all these crowds are happening. That's why you see them feed 5,000 at one point and plus their families and feed 4,000 at one point plus their families. Right, Because there just weren't this many resources. So this huge crowd is there. And so Jesus is kind of teaching to both groups. One of the things we say around here is if you want to build a bridge, you have to have footings on the both sides of the ravine, right? If we want to build a bridge with Lincoln, we've got to have footings at Lincoln University. And so Jesus has this footing where he's communicating to the religious people, and this footing where he's communicating to these folks who are going, I am done with religion, I'm done with my performance, I want to trust God fully, I want to trust you fully, Jesus. And so he's going back and forth in this conversation. And what he's most recently been teaching on is, again, this kingdom of heaven that we get to participate in. And this is really, really important. I want you to understand this. You're going to learn a new word today, and that's why it's down here at the bottom. It's okay if you're like, ah, I don't do this stuff. It's, you know, Ed Stetzer says it this way. If you're going to remember, memorize all those fancy drink names at Starbucks, it's okay for you to mem- understand some bigger words in Scripture, right? hey kids if you're going to remember all those cheat codes you know what i'm saying up down left right b plus bleep, that was contra back in 1987 right so you can get 100 extra lives but if we're going to remember those things it makes sense that we probably hold this is pretty true and, and and kind of focus of this word i want you to understand today is inaugurated eschatology it's not my word it's a theological term and again it's just a word it doesn't mean much it just gives us kind of a, a framework to think about things the word inaugurated you know about Because you know about inaugurations, right? So an inauguration is the beginning of something. It's the the beginning of a presidency, right? It's it's kind of the initiation. It's the ignition switch. And so inaugurated just means the start. Now, eschatology, you may know about. Many of you grew up in church. i talked a lot about this. That's kind of the study of in things or in times, right? So when you hear the word eschatology, most of the time when people talk about it, they're talking about Jesus' second coming. This is where you get words like rapture, right? This was a song that I sang at DC Talk uh yeah redid that was like a 60 song wish we'd all been ready it's like two men walking up a hill one disappears and one still standing there wish we'd all been ready two people lay in a bed one disappears it's like oh my goodness that's so scary and so if you read the left behind books you know people just beam up right and it's like ah not so sure exactly that's what the scriptures are showing us but regardless eschatology is the study of end times and many of you are curious says Jesus is going to come back how's the world going to end all those things is it going to be a fiery ball because of global warming what's going to happen well the scriptures point to the fact that Jesus will who's already initiated his kingdom will come and rule and reign so the word inaugurated eschatology means so so crazy that we are are you ready for this living in the end times now now there's some folks been theologically go no 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 the rapture has to happen and let me just help you understand this We have been living in the end times for the last 2,000 years. What I mean by that is Jesus came to initiate the kingdom of God. So when he came, you can imagine this way, born as a baby, God himself steps down into this earth, another really interesting theological term called the hypostatic union, meaning God is fully God and fully man at the same time. He ushers in as a baby. Well, you can imagine what he really, really ushers in with him. You can imagine is this giant backpack. And on his back is the entire kingdom of heaven. And when he shows up, he's going, no, this world can be yours now. Really, really important. You don't have to pray a prayer, hope God comes back, and eventually you can live in the kingdom of heaven. No, 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 no. This term means that the kingdom of heaven is already available to us. It's a now and later. It's a here's where we are now, but it's going to be fully fulfilled. So it's going, you can live in the kingdom of heaven now. And then Jesus will come back. And as he does, he will rule and reign, and you can live more fully in this perfect world now. So we get to live in the kingdom of heaven, even though there's a steep and stark contrast between the kingdom of heaven and all the brokenness of this world. So you get to be ushered in and invited into it today. Hear me. You can today get to live in the experience of the kingdom of heaven that God has for you. The one that he initiated in the beginning of time where we were with him and things were good. And yeah, yeah, yeah. While we can be excited about that now, we can look forward to a day where it will be held in perfection. So if we're experiencing 50% of the kingdom of heaven now, you can look forward to the day. Which is a terrible analogy, but you can look forward to the day when you're experiencing it 100%. Got it? So Jesus is going, you can have this now, and this is mind-blowing because so much of the control was in the words of people declaring that something would come later. So this is, if you think about it, like you think about, you know, you had the Mayan date in 2012, you had the, the Y2K, you have the 2020, you have all these different times where the big billboards come up and tell you that the kingdom of he- uh, that God, Jesus is coming back, so get ready, right? And so there's been all these dates set up throughout all, all time. You got Isaac Newton, brilliant, brilliant guy, you know, Christian, Christ follower, who loved numbers and tried to figure out all sorts of numbers to determine the date that Jesus would come back. He had a couple that have already passed, so... Not so certain about this. And Jesus says, none of us really know this day. But there are people take all sorts of numbers. You know, 40 divided by 40 plus 2 plus 7 plus 9 means it's going to be in the year 2027. So give us your money. Give it all to us. And you'll get in the kingdom of heaven when he comes back, right? Drink the juice. Drink the Kool-Aid. Whatever it is, you can experience it because he's coming back and he hasn't yet, right? And so there's all sorts of weird stuff about this. But the scriptures are, what we can understand is that Jesus actually brought the kingdom of heaven. And then he double down on how we get to experience when he gets murdered and when he comes back to life. So we can see kind of the initiation in, in Jesus' birth but then we see the ignition of it in Jesus' burial, death and resurrection. Because now we have an idea of what it looks like to live in the kingdom of heaven. There is something that defeats death. The big thing that's been taunting us our entire life. There's something that keeps us separated from life. God and Jesus through his resurrection changes all that so what it means is we get to experience it. So the way that you can think about it is kind of like a pregnancy, right? Uh, there's something supernatural that happens at conception, right? And by the way, this is going to be a pro-life statement. But this isn't a political statement. This is just a scientific statement, okay? And I believe, I certainly hope at some point, we will right this horrific wrong by science, At some point, the the more we can see and understand this supernatural moment that happens at conception, that sperm and egg somehow creates life. And we we know it's supernatural because many of you have spent years trying, and that hasn't happened. You've moved all the roadblocks and still the pain of this. So there's pain in this conversation about conception, so it gets weird to talk about. And there's pain because some of us have made decisions about aborting a life. And I'm going, "Look, look, look, here's the really beautiful thing in all this we are all in the same boat not in the all in the same kind of situation where we are all sinners who have all messed up and there is grace to be had so this is not a place where i'm going to point and go how dare you because there's a million places you could point at me and go how dare you josh so this is all collectively going man our world is broken but if you can imagine it from this sense it's kind of like conceptions happen jesus came and fertilized the kingdom of heaven on earth you got it, and for the last two thousand years, it's been like the incubator. You know how you read the what to expect when you're expecting, and you're like, "Oh goodness, now my baby's the size of an avocado. Now it's the size of a grapefruit, right? Right? Then now the size of a tiny elephant, right? You know, like what in the world, right? So you got all these things. You got this <laughs> experience, and so what you can imagine, you can just imagine that this birth of this bursting forth, this kingdom of heaven. Now you also can understand that there's pains, literal pains. the bringing forth this child so we're in this world where there is literal birth pain you see the scriptures even point to this there is pain in this why is this this kingdom of heaven is bursting forth right and so jesus is declaring this and he's declaring it to two different sets of people and they're going wait do i trust this do i not trust this what do i do is that true is that not true can i put my hope in that and he's addressing the religious people and going it is not your performance that gets you in the kingdom of heaven so he's going to spend a lot of time with them Afflicting them as they're comfortable, convincing them that their security and comfort is is a false security and comfort and control is an illusion. Then some people that are really, really broken and really, really in a ton of affliction, he's going to bring some comfort to them, and give them a picture of what the kingdom of heaven looks like, in the here and now. So he's teaching to both of these groups. And just last week, he, we we're reading. It, and this is just Simon. He's just been teaching. I don't know, maybe an hour. I have no idea how long he's been teaching. It's taken us 11 weeks to get through this. Last week, he kind of, you know, really, really kind of leaned into some of the things that we struggle with. And he kind of taught on fear and anxiety and worry. And he tells us not to do those things. And you're like, well, it's not that easy, right? Like, I I don't mean, it's not like I wake up and go, I just want to have fear and worry and anxiety and let you, and yet we still do. And so Jesus gives us a picture of how we combat that. And he gives us some analogies of, you know, ravens and, you know, and then, uh, lilies, give us the idea that we can trust God with even our most basic needs because we're not really in control. And he gives us kind of the big aha. And the way that you combat fear and uncertainty is by living in the kingdom of God. Setting all your attention on this coming kingdom. Right? It has happened. It has been birthed. I mean, it has been bursting forth, and it will one day be perfect. But until that happens, you personally, I personally, can participate in making that kingdom a reality through the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our families, in our world. You got it? And so he's saying, <laughs> look, look, I know you're worried about food. I know you're worried about clothing. But here's the thing. Your father knows you need those things. And if you'll just do this, if you'll just seek the kingdom of God, those things will be added to you. So he's going, it's all in the kingdom of God. And so you heard that last week if you're there. And if not, uh, you get to hear it this week. It's kind of going, okay, okay, I want that. I want to live in the kingdom of heaven. I want to live it. I want my heart to not think, but I want to seek first that. But then life happened. News happened catastrophe happened pain happened all of a sudden you're going how in the world did i have this great plan to give my heart to the kingdom of god and yet this week i have not experienced that i've actually experienced more stress and more worry. we've been fighting more in our house right so how in the world do we do that and jesus gives us this crazy 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 uh, illustration of how we you and i can live in the kingdom of heaven now Right? He says, So seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added unto you. He tells us that, right? And then he tells us how exactly we bring our hearts to the kingdom of heaven, and it is kind of like a, whoa, that, where'd that come from? And so in Luke chapter 12 verse 34, this is what we ended up with last week, and I just want you to understand, this is what he's telling you, and let me just work through how this actually plays out in our lives. So Luke 12: 34, Jesus is still this teaching to both religious people and irreligious people, those who are following him and already left and trying to live in the kingdom of heaven, and those that think that there is no kingdom, all of them. He's teaching to, right? So regardless of where you sit in this, you're going, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in the kingdom of heaven. That's fine. He's teaching to you today. Are you going, yep, I I live this. I breathe it. I wholeheartedly believe it. That's fine. He's teaching you today, right? And this is what he says. Luke chapter 12, verse 34. He says this. For where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. So just before this, Jesus goes, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sell your possessions, and I want you to give it to the poor. I actually want you to participate in the kingdom of heaven now, meaning in the kingdom of heaven, people aren't hungry. In the kingdom of heaven, people aren't thirsty. In the kingdom of heaven, people aren't alone. Got it? That's what the kingdom of heaven is going to look like. And you can use the things that I've already entrusted to you, your possessions. That word is the same word we get for thesaurus in this, word that treasure is, right? All the things you have. You can use those things now, and you can start using them to participate in the kingdom of heaven. And then he says the reason he wants us to do that, not because he wants you to be poor, not because he doesn't want you to have things, not because he wants you to live in poverty. That's not what he says, because he says for. Here's what I want you to do, and here's the reason. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is as well. So this is so profound. That he has now drawn a, not a dotted line, a straight, bold line between our heart. 800 times it's mentioned in the scriptures. Never is it mentioned as an organ. It's mentioned as like the essence of our being. That you can draw a very direct, straight, bold line between your essence, who you are, and the things that you treasure. And see, what we try to do here is so interesting because we go, okay, okay, fine, 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 I'll give God 2% of my money, or I'll write a check, and I'll give him 10% of my money, and then, okay, I'll just throw that there, and then I'll go live my life how I want to. Or fine, 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 I'll feed that hungry person. I'll see the homeless person, I'll give him 10 bucks. Good, good, I'm done. And you're going, to, now, God, you see that my heart's there, but then you live your life as though your heart's still not there. And what Jesus is saying is so brilliant. He's going, look, look, here's the thing. Your treasure and your heart will never be separated. Let me, let me show you. It's like this. And literally, it's like this, right? Your essence of your being and your treasure, all this stuff, this is just paper in here, sorry. But uh, your treasure, all these things, right? They are tied together. Meaning, this is so, so profound. Wherever your heart goes, your treasure is going to follow it. There is no way around this. He is literally saying, they're basically one and the same. And so what we do is we try to go, okay, uh, okay God, here's my heart. I'll try to give you my heart. And then we hope that maybe a little bit of that will follow us. And what Jesus is saying here, you really want to get into on the kingdom. Because your heart follows your treasure, guess how you get your heart to experience the kingdom of heaven? You don't just sit there and white knuckle and go, Josh, experience the kingdom of heaven. No, 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 he's saying, look, look. You want in on the kingdom of heaven. You don't just sit there and tell your heart to get it right. Don't just ask Jesus into your heart. What you do is you take your treasure and you put it into the kingdom of God. And guess what happens when you put your treasure in the kingdom of heart, in the kingdom of God? Every bit of you goes with it. So instead of trying to get your heart right, which is what we do as Christians, okay, let me get it right, let me not look at that, let me think that, let me do that. And he's going, no, 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 there's a, there's a better option. And we're like, that's not better, bro, right? There's a better option. You actually take your treasure and you hook it into the kingdom of God, right? Like you anchor it into the kingdom of God. And wherever that goes, guess what's following it? Your heart cannot be separate from your treasure, so he's going, take all your things, do an inventory, all the stuff that you value, now figure out a way to put that all in the kingdom of heaven. Now hear me, this isn't saying I want you to give 100% to our church, that's not what this message is about, it's going, how do you start surveying all your stuff and going, if God has given that to me, the stuff that I have an inventory of, my treasure, how do I take every single bit of it and point it to and then put it in the kingdom of heaven? And what he's saying is, I promise you, if you will do that, if you will start seeing your stuff as merely a utility, seeing your money as merely a utility to put it into the kingdom of heaven, your heart will be transformed. Your whole heart will be immersed into the kingdom of heaven because it's impossible to separate those. So he's going, you got all this fear and you got all this worry and I'm telling you how to do those things. And you're going, I don't know how to stop fear or worry. and worrying. It's going, no, no, no. You don't just tell your heart to stop fearing and worrying you tell your heart you want to be in the kingdom of heaven but even now your heart you get in the kingdom of heaven you still can't do it he's going no the reason being is because your treasure is completely attached to your heart so you want in on it you want in on the kingdom of heaven then you put your treasure in the kingdom and i promise you your heart will follow a double dog dare you to put your with, with sugar and cherry on top a, not cherished or they have carbs, but whatever Uh, so a double dog area to put your whole treasure in and promise you promise you promise you you will start to experience the kingdom of heaven and guess what happens in the kingdom of heaven fear and worry cannot exist and you're going whoa that's weird josh because we all know that the kingdom of heaven isn't perfect yet you even just said it inaugurated eschatology meaning it started but it, it isn't fully fulfilled so, okay, I can do that. But then the worries of this world and the brokenness of the world, there is evil, Josh. That's just, so how in the world do we do that fully? And Jesus, so brilliantly, after telling us this crazy principle, heart and treasure go together, he is now going to break into a story. And he's going to talk about how we ex- live in the here and now and the brokenness. Inaugurated eschatology. How do we live in the, the beginning of the kingdom that he's already given to us when it hasn't been fully realized? So brilliant. Verse 35, this is what he says. Stay dressed, that's important, I would tell you to do that at church, Uh, for action and keep your lamps burning. Okay, so he's going, treasure and heart together. Okay, okay, how do I do that? Okay, he says, let me show you how it looks like to live in the kingdom of heaven. Now, amidst this chaos in the world, the first thing is stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Some of you know this, and I don't. And I just want to say candidly in this moment, for those of you who have fought in wars, particularly those who have spent time in the last 20 years in Afghanistan and are watching the chaos of this world, I feel your pain, not in the way that you do, and know that you've served so well and valiantly. And we appreciate it, we value it, and we thank you that God is seeing this and working in all of it. He sees the purity of your heart, and he'll show you the kingdom of heaven, even in the middle of this mess right now, okay? But what I do know is I have friends, I think specifically about Dave Mastropolito. Mitch Mabry, Tom Gonzalez, folks have had, like, uh, Sean Leahy, folks have had real conversations about what it looks like to be in war. And the idea that you sleep with your boots on, and many of them, I know for sure, this is not, like, anecdotal out there, like, a literal conversation, had to sleep with a gun loaded on your chest because of the terror and the mess of the Taliban around so you served during the day and at night they wreaked havoc and you slept with your boots on tied up and your gun on your chest in preparation like just devastating to think about and think how in the world do you sleep that way but you're aware that you literally are living in midst two different worlds right you got your brothers and sisters that you're fighting with and those are the people that have your back and you know that and they are with you but out there there's a whole different world Right? And so what you know is you and your brothers and your sisters have each other's back, and you just know that the enemy is not too far off. And so what Jesus is saying here in the spiritual war sense, as he's going, as you sleep, as you eat, as you prepare, here's the things. You stay dressed for action. You keep your boots on. Hear me, this is Onward Christian soldiers marching on the war, right? So if you're like, I'm a pacifist, that's okay. This works for us in that category too. Got it? So he's saying, you stay prepared. You keep your boots on and you keep your lamp burning. Don't cut it off, right? In some sense, this is, you are prepared. This is Motel 6. You keep the light on because you're preparing for the residency to show up, right? And so he's going, you stay prepared for action, you are always on call. You're always on duty. There is no end of your watch. Got it? And you're going, "Oh goodness, there's that weird soldier analogy, and it's not that. it's in preparation. And so what I want you to see, so, so important, is I told you each week we get to make some better choices. Here's the choices you get to make this week. You ready? Here it goes. Got lots of them. Here they are each and every week we challenge you to make some choices and today 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 here's the decisions i'm going to challenge you to make and i got them backwards here so give me just one second i'm going to get them in the right side got these very very excited about them so as you can tell here the left side is the choice i don't want you to make and this isn't like i'm i'm right-handed so i'm the better hand and so for those of you left-handed Sorry, the Lord didn't bless you in that way. But you can pitch a baseball better. Whatever. Okay. Okay. There we go. Um, So here's the four, right? So this week, here's your choices. This week, you get to choose to no longer be distracted. And instead, be attentive. Meaning, you keep the light on, you keep the clothes on, and you are ready to live in the kingdom of heaven. And hear me, this isn't God wants you to go slay the dragons, This is actually he wants you to live in and experience the kingdom of heaven today, right? So you keep your, you stay, you don't get distracted. And instead, you stay attentive, first thing, right? And then it says this, verse 36. And be like, and be like uh, the men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. So he's going, okay, now you get, let me give you a parable. Remember in parable, someone represents us, someone represents Jesus, and this parable, the people that represent us are the servants, are slaves, as some scriptures use for this, that are waiting for their master who went to be at a celebration of a wedding, right? And weddings should last for days to a week, right? So they didn't know exactly when, but he says, you should be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding. So he's Okay, now that we understand this, remember inaugurated eschatology. So Jesus has already established his kingdom, but it will come to the fullest when he comes back. And he's going, what do you do in the between? What do you do when the kingdom of heaven is not fully realized, but you get to live in it? Well, the way that you get to live in it is you are ready and prepared and you see every single moment as an opportunity to actually participate in the kingdom of heaven. He said, you should be like men who are fully aware that one day Jesus will rule and reign, and his kingdom will be established here on earth and it will be beautiful and glorious and you should be prepared for it you should be looking forward to that day and he says here's what that's like that is like people who are waiting for their master to come and are ready to open the door and invite them in right so going, you got to be prepared for this not in the you know i you know, wish we'd all been ready kind of uh rapture sense but there is something you can do now and so the second thing is here's what happens because we don't actually think about the kingdom of heaven and we don't think about it actually having a present reality for us and a future reality, right? So we either get caught up in the yeah, yeah, one day in the future or I guess it's just now and I can't even think about the future, right? If we don't have footings in both of those ravines or both of those, over both those ravines, what ends up happening is you get so focused on your silly stuff, my silly stuff, my job, my uh, false security and control, that you actually have gotten so consumed by the news and the Twitter feeds and all these different things that you actually have become indifferent about stuff later because you're so consumed by the here and now. And what Jesus is saying is, the way that you guard against that is you actually look at and participate right now in the idea that you can expect that this world will one day be established as the kingdom of heaven on earth. And the best we can realize, for a thousand years, Jesus will rule and reign here, meaning this earth. These rivers, these, this, you know, these plants, this is part of establishing the kingdom of heaven. Now, one day, all that will go to this eternal heaven, but you can expect that everything that you're doing now can, should be able to continue in the kingdom of heaven. Love, peace, joy, justice, right? And so he's going, and when you lose sight of that, you no longer become expectant with Jesus, and instead, you become indifferent. Do you think how you lived, like, during Y2K, you remember those days? Or maybe the Mayans, I don't know if you remember the 2012, that was a big one, you know? And like, this idea, and you're like, more and more ready, and going, okay, I gotta get really, really focused, and all those things, and you took one of two routes, you either got lots of chickens, and a generator, and lots of bottled water, right? You kind of being your own king in your own kingdom and you did it don't lie right and you got extra stuff knowing as a possibility or some of you got so extra spiritual that you were praying and fasting because you just wanted to get into the kingdom of heaven i can remember when the year 2000 turned in that moment i was a freshman in high high college and i remember being so let down i remember going this is it whatever it is it's gonna be awesome i don't know you know and then all of a sudden it turned it was like my computer's still working what a bummer you know, thanks, Dick Clark, for staying with us. You know, and so here's what it is. And so he's going. When you're not expectant, what ends up happening is you become indifferent. And you know, there's brilliant people, if he's wise, if he wise soul and others that will say the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is actually indifference. You see, you could take hate and flip it on its side and go, you know what? That's out of the result of love that you have this hatred, right? But the opposite of love is actually indifference, just apathy, not caring. And he's going, you can't do that. You have to stay, expect it. And he continues, and he says, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Right? So this is really important. He is going to knock. This is the beholder stand at the door and knocks. So he's going, you've got to be ready for this, both in the here and now, in the, the kingdom that we get to live in, and the coming kingdom that will one day be established. You've got to be ready. And then it says this, verse 36. I mean, uh, sorry, in Verse 37. He says, blessed are those servants. That word literally, is so interesting, it literally means happy. We feel uncomfortable with the word happy, because we've learned that joy is something that's beyond, you know, circumstances, and happiness is uh, based on what happens, right? But the reality is, in these scriptures, when Jesus gives the Beatitudes, that word literally is blessed, is actually just happy. Because... Of his benefits. It literally means to be happy because you've received God's benefits, right? So blessed are those servants whom the Master finds awake when he comes. And he says this Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. So he's going, here's what's going to happen. So you're wondering, uh, how do I live in the kingdom of heaven? I'm trying to get my treasure. And he's going, no, 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 everything's about the kingdom of heaven. You've to put everything into the kingdom of heaven. Every bit of your life should be living in and participating in the kingdom of heaven now. And as you do that, you will stay expectant. This is really, really important. Because as you stay expectant, as you actually expect this to happen, it actually does some things. It allows us to view this world not as helpless, not as there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do about poverty. There's nothing we can do about Sex trafficking. There's nothing we can do about injustice. No, 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 no. The cu- coming kingdom, it doesn't have poverty. I don't want to be hungry. It doesn't have people leveraging their power for their pleasure in the middle of other people's pain. So this says, goes, no, no, no. We're not helpless. We actually are. We are participators in this coming kingdom, which means we are not just. We're not helpless. There's work to be done, and why is there work to be done? Because we are. Ho- that one day there will be no more pain, no more tears, and no more sorrow. And we get to work towards that now. And that's what's so interesting. Like for Christ followers, there is this call to justice seeking, right? Not just social justice. I'm talking about kingdom of heaven justice, right? There's this day that we go, we got work to do, but the greatest work is we got to meet the needs of others, help them see what the kingdom of heaven looks like here on earth, and then invite them through the work of the Holy Spirit to participate in it. Because the kingdom of heaven is where blessing comes from. So he goes, should I tell you, he will dress himself and he will say, he will recline and he will come and he'll serve them. Like we will have this beautiful partnership. And he continues, says, if he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. So this is Roman language. Second watch would, would have been kind of that six to nine. Our first, uh, first watch would be six to nine. Second watch would be nine to 12 p.m third watch is 12 to 3, so right there in the middle of the morning, or fourth would be 3 to 6. These are pretty, so he's going, if he comes in the middle of the night, blessed are those who are prepared. Blessed, and this is really, really interesting, because this is, you see some of this language show up, and like Revelation 6, 16:15. 16, 15, it says, behold, I'm coming like a thief in the night, right? So this is, there's language of this 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 Jesus who will return. So he's going, you have to live now like he will return. Well, what if he's not coming back tomorrow? We don't know when he's coming back. He's not telling us to prepare and think about and plan for the exact date. He's going, you live like today is the day that the kingdom of heaven fully manifests itself on this planet. Right? And so he continues and he says this, but know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left the house to be broken into. So this is interesting. So he's just now changed the parable the original parable is that we're servants jesus says, master meaning we just do what the master says and he's going you want to know what the master says he says to be attentive be expectant and be hopeful and be awake right not asleep and then he's all of a sudden he's going to turn the eyes and he's now going to change the parable is going okay now you imagine you're the master okay because many of them had this experience that they were the master Right? The people who were able to travel to listen to Jesus had some resources available, and he goes this, but know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You see this, but know this, he would have known. There's something about this knowledge that's important, really important that you get this, that Jesus is making us aware, as we read these scriptures through Luke, that we have a responsibility to be attentive. And if we really were to know, our response would be to be prepared and ready for this coming kingdom and he's saying just because you don't know the day or hour doesn't mean you should not have the same readiness available and i'm not talking about have your bags packed to go get beamed up in the clouds i'm talking about ready to participate where there's no more tears or pain or sorrow where the kingdom of heaven is a place filled with hope and joy and peace and food and joy right that's what he's talking about here so he's going hey you can be attentive in this and if you knew you would and he says this you also must be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect this is jesus's favorite language to refer to himself as the son of man and what we see here is the inaugurated piece this is son of man is when he talks about his uh his humanity so he's going god is a human here the son of man the one who came he says he will no you gotta understand this They're so confused, because son of man, he's already called himself that, and he's still there with them, right? And so some scholars will say, well, this is kind of confusing. It could be inaugurated uh, eschatology, but the reality is he's actually preparing them for a different coming. He is actually preparing them for when he dies, and then comes back to life. They didn't know that. They were, so there's kind of this, well, maybe it's a both-and. Maybe we see the resurrection. this opportunity for us to live in the kingdom now, and then there'll be this b- beautiful second coming, which I believe is what we're seeing here. He's going, no, 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 it's a both-and. You will get to experience this, and then you will get to experience it more fully. And he continues, you must be ready in verse. Uh, so uh, verse 41, he says this. Peter said, this is so good. Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? So Jesus is going, look, here's what happens, and this is what we do. This is so, so crazy. And uh, he's, uh, Peter's going to go, is this for me or j- for them? And Jesus has just been talking and teaching, and there would have been some rumors at this point of not only a Savior coming, but as you know, the anti-Savior, what we use is the term anti-Christ. We see it show up all the time, First John 4, even like the anti being antichrist and so even for us what happens and you know this we know this let's just imagine this in terms of how we live in the here and now you go yeah i'm getting ready and so what do you put your eyes towards you try to figure out who that antichrist is right i'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands but i guarantee you there are people in this room who said out loud that barack obama was the antichrist and before you get to judge on that i guarantee you there are people in this room who have said out loud that donald trump is the antichrist Many of you have thought it's Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, right? There's this, this thing where we're trying to figure out and so much of our energy and time is trying to predict these end times and read through it and follow the numerology and then try to define who the Antichrist is. And then what I want you to understand here and what I think Jesus is pointing to is he's going, don't look for the Antichrist. Look for the Son of Man. Don't put your focus on the Antichrist. Put your focus on a Savior who is coming to hey, we're not turning our eyes to all the predictive material. We're turning our eyes to the coming kingdom that Jesus will bring in. So we're not closing our eyes. We're not going to sleep. But we're going to point our eyes into the kingdom of God, and we're going to look for the Savior, Jesus, who will return. And Peter goes, Lord, are you sure? Are you talking to us? Are you talking to them? And I love this. Jesus doesn't actually directly answer the question, but watch what he says. And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager? So he's going, are you talking to them or us? And Probably what's happening here is are you talking about the, to those dirty religious people or are you talking to us godly people over here, right? So he's going, which one is this? Is this more of the hellfire and brimstone? Is this the affliction you're bringing to those who are comfortable and secure? Or is this you're talking to us too because we might miss it. So he's going, is this, is this a us or them? Is this the religious or the, the little baby Christians, tiny Christians following you, right? And he says, who then is the faithful and wise manager? So he's going, you decide. Who do you think I'm talking? there's two crowds here. There's a crowd here who isn't faithful and wise, and there's a crowd who is faithful and wise. Manager, steward, one who is responsible for what they've been entrusted with. You know what you're responsible for? Your treasurer. So who has then been responsible for what has been entrusted to you by the owner? You're just the manager and invested in the kingdom of heaven. Who then is the wise one? Whom is is his master will set over his household to give them the portion of food at the proper time? This is so brilliant. So there's so so many ramifications just this one verse. He goes, is it us or them? And he goes, well, I don't know. You decide. Are you us or you them? Are you the wise manager? Are you the one who God's entrusted with, who set their eyes on the kingdom of heaven and sees all their stuff, as stuff to participate in the kingdom of heaven, that you're putting it all in, and you're, you know because your heart is following him? Who is that? Are you the one? And then he says something so interesting. The one who, if you're good with this, he'll actually entrust you with more. And you see what he says here? The one that he'll provide and cover with more food. Why? So that they can portion the food and give it out. You think about in 2021, with all of our understandings about farming and even genetically modified stuff, all those different things, why in the world are people starving? You hear me, People will die today of hunger. And my kids will complain about they're starving at 11:15 today. They're complaining in kids that are meal when they're like, "If uh, talk too long, suck it up. you're not really starving right I'm, I'm not joking. They, uh, it's probably not fun to you know if they're hungry right. But this idea of how we use the word starving versus the reality. And he gives us a glimpse of something that's so easy to miss in this. He says, who then is the faithful and wise manager when his master, that's Jesus, will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? So he goes, who is the one I'm going to entrust the resources to make sure the other servants, the other people have enough to eat? Right? Who's the one? And so what we can understand here, in a world that has more than we need, but in other places not enough, what we can understand is that he has given us a picture of how he plans on solving poverty. He entrusts his people. Hear me, hear me, hear me. This is so so awkward, and I'm not Again, this isn't a sermon on tithing, but I want you to hear this. If just the church in America, those of us in America who say we're Christians, if just the church would trust God with 10%, this isn't a message on tithing. I have some opinions about that. In fact, it's 23 and half percent when you count up all the tithes. In the New Testament, Jesus says, hold all the stuff in common. So this isn't a ploy to try to get you to get 10%. But if the church, just taking a number, took 10%, every Christian says they're a Christ follower in America, there would be no more poverty, be no more homelessness, there'd be no more malaria, right? If just the church in America would take the resources that God has entrusted to us and use them. So this is really, really important. Do you think God loves us more than the folks in Afghanistan right now? Absolutely not. He doesn't. And there are thousands of people right this second who are scared to death to lose their life. You got a terrorist organization coming in and taking control, and every single one of those people God loves dearly. Do you think God loves us more than homeless people? Do you think it's just their fault because they're homeless? Ah, oh, you know, they were lazy in the their job. Like I, there, there are so many countless stories of the experience that people had that, but for the grace of God for us. So, if they're hungry, if they're impoverished, if they're alone, if they're trafficked, what do you think is solution for those things? Whom is the master going to set over his household and give them the portion of food at the proper time? Is it possible? that the stuff that the master has entrusted you with right this second is to portion out right now just at the proper time. And I'm not talking about running it through the church. I'm just talking about at the proper time is that why he's given us those things and it's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And God is telling us, if you will do that, you will have a supernatural renovation heart transplant. And you will see that your investment in his kingdom it's far more valuable than the amount of money in your bank account or the square footage in your home. And this isn't a shot at us being rich or having pleasures. God gave it to you because He wants you to enjoy it and use it. I tell you this all the time. This is not a pot prosperity gospel. If you do this, God will give you more. It says He will entrust us with more, but we, not for us to enjoy more, but to dis- distribute. So this isn't a prosperity gospel, but it's also not poverty gospel. I tell you over and over again. If I give my kid a bike, I don't want him to look at it and go, "Well, there's people in Africa that don't have bikes. I can never ride this." No. As a good father, I want him to enjoy those things, but I also want him to see that as a tool for him to participate in the kingdom of heaven, right? And so he's going, at the, at the proper time. And then he continues, and you go, well, how do I do that? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful, who then is the wise ma- manager, whom his master will set over the household, verse 43, and then he says this, blessed, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. So he's going, you want to live in the kingdom of heaven now? You want to participate before it gets here, the way, and before the, and not, the inauguration starts, when the coming perfect kingdom comes, you want to do it? The way that you do it is through stewardship. The way that you do it is you see your treasure and you invest it in the kingdom of heaven. That is the way in the scriptures that you do it. And you go, well, how do I specifically do that? Henry Blackby writes a really beautiful book. I read it, and it was a, it was a study, and many of you, I'm talking about, if you've been in a church more than a couple of decades, this is a study that you've done. I did it in the mid-90s called Experiencing God. Right, This says, how do you experience God? And I'm a 14-year-old going, I want to experience it, but I don't really know how. And he says a statement that I think is helpful for all of us. He says, you want to experience God. Find where God is at work and join him. It's really that simple. You want to experience God, look around and see where God's at work, find the church, find the organization, and join him. And so I just would say the same thing. You really feel this compelled, you know, feel compelled to keep your eyes open and participate in the kingdom of heaven right now with your resources? How do you use your resources to do those things? Well, find where God's at work and invest in that. Find organizations that invest in that. Christine Kane runs a large organization dealing with sex trafficking. Invest in it, right? This is where I'd go. Hey, that's why you should be a part of a local church because the local church is through this holy spirit is the solution for the brokenness of the world and so you find a church that cares about stewardship and that stewards every penny i would say that's a place like this and then you start investing your resources in it so that we can do more good for the community so i just say a double dog day if you have no other place to start just start there Just start investing the little bit you have, whether that's money, clothes, whatever it is, into the coming kingdom. Find a place, if you have extra clothes, that actually uses those clothes to meet the needs of the community and declare the goodness of the gospel. Not only do we have a church that participates in those things, we have strategic partners. That's why my money goes to this church. That's why I invest—oh, so weird. That's why God's money that he's entrusted to us goes to this church. Sorry about that. And that's why we, our family, leverage that money and invest it to our strategic partners. Right? Urban promise, family promise, Tamani right you want to, i mean you imagine what it is that you have a heart for is if it is it orphans is it south america you can participate in el centro is it right here in the middle of homelessness dealing with it you can participate in family promise if it's urban environments you can go participate in urban promise you go no 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 i want to do something for kids right here in our community and i'm going lighthouse it's right here you can invest your resources and your time and your talents there you can go cook food there and you can participate and so there are ways that you can invest in all those things that's why we invest in those and that, canonly is why I invest in Compassion International. Little Jesus, I've been providing for now, our family's been providing for, for six years, seven, six years. Why? Because every single penny that they take goes straight to feeding that kid and telling him the gospel in his family. There is not a better 40-plus dollars that we spend a month. And you can do that with Compassion International, or right? you can do that with Tamani. But you have given resources to portion at the appropriate time to meet the needs of others. And he says, Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. And this is the craziest conundrum. I can't tell you you should do it because he'll give you more. But I can tell you, when you do it, he gives you more. Can't be the motivation, right? The motivation is you want your heart and the kingdom. And so you take your treasure and you put it in there. But God is a perfect steward and he stewards his resources to his people. The people who are the most generous. Are the ones who walk in the most joy, and I can look across this room and tell you that I know generous people who walk in so much joy, not because of how much they have, but because how much they've stewarded. And he says this, I will set him over all his possessions, but verse 45, but that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. Lost sight. Lost sight of the coming kingdom. Lost sight of the world that is coming, and he has just gotten hopeless and helpless in the middle of this. And so what does he do? He responds in a reactionary way, beating. He goes... When you take your eyes off of it, when you close your eyes, when you point those eyes in a different direction, when your treasure is no longer participating in the kingdom of heaven, something happens to your heart. In Hebrews chapter 3, it says, Encourage one another daily as long as it's today, so that no one becomes hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We take our eyes off of it, and we look at other things and are not encouraged and challenged. Then what happens is their hearts become hardened. And he says, the master, verse 46, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know. And again, mind you, this is a parable. So they understand these kind of masters. So he's going, you know what this kind of master looks like, the one who entrusted a lot and didn't. Watch how he responds. uh, And we'll cut, He, hour he does not know, and we'll cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. He's going, there's a king, and there is a kingdom. And either you are participating and living in the king kingdom are you standing in direct opposition to it it's offensive and scary but there are only two camps there's the kingdom of this earth and there's the kingdom of heaven and there is a king and that king is so focused on his coming kingdom that he's bringing to every single part of that he wants every man woman and child to experience those of us who stand in opposition to that will become enemies of that king and we will experience the pain and sorrow that comes with that so he goes where your treasure is that's where your heart is and why i'm imploring you, you go could you take your treasure and place it in the kingdom of heaven so your heart can be transformed and that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will receive a severe beating then he goes on to say but the one who did not know and did what uh, deserve and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating everyone to whom much was given and of him much will be required and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. So, good news and bad news. Actually, yeah, the good news is if, for people that they don't know any better, they've never heard about this kingdom that they get to participate in and heard about this God who gave them the resources because he wanted them to be good stewards and that real blessing and happiness comes from stewarding the resources. Those kind of people, they don't experience the real pain and a severe beating for the master. Good news for those people. The bad news that's none of us it's none of us because you now know that there's two kingdoms you know that there's a coming kingdom of heaven and you now have an understanding of why god has blessed us more and given you more comfort and freedom and security than he has to the kids and parents in afghanistan why because he believes that the stuff he's given you he believes that your eyes will be open and you will begin using it to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Could you imagine what a church would look like if they did that? Could you imagine what it would do in the middle of all this disunity if a bunch of people walked in confidence and going, it all is the Lord's. He cares about my food. He cares about my clothing. But he cares about the kingdom of heaven in my heart. And he wants me to use those things to participate in it. I know this is hard. I know this is tough. But I promise you, when you experience it, when you experience the blessedness and the joy that comes from trusting God, I promise you, you will not regret any of this. So, how do we challenge one another? How do we hold each other accountable? How do we enjoy the blessings that God has given us and see our resources as ways to transform our heart by participating in the coming kingdom? That's what Jesus came to do. That's what we're going to do. And so, what's going to happen is the bands will come up and we're going to sing a song that talks about where we build our life on how we build our life and it's not on our resumes it's not on our families, it's not on our house, it's not on our plans. We build our house on the king who is reigning and will reign. We build it on the king because he is good. But one thing I just want to offer you before we get there is that for some of us you've never really understood this kingdom. And what's so beautiful is that God has not only entrusted us his resources, he's entrusted this moment to you and I to wrestle through this, and I believe He's entrusted that camera, this microphone, these pews, that LED screen, so that we could portion these things to tell you that Jesus loves you and has a plan for you and wants you to fully surrender to Him. And for some of you, you've just never done that. You've never done that. You've put the toe in. And I'm going, no, no, lean all the way in, lean all the way in, trust God fully. I double dog dare. And here's the beauty of the church. Right, The beauty of the church is we get to underwrite each other's faith, meaning you can lean all the way in and you will not be homeless. You can lean all the way in and you will not go hungry. Why? Because God tells us to take care of one another. So it's, you can lean all the way in and go, God, I'm going to trust you fully. And he's going, I will underwrite that trust and I will put people around you to love you and care for you and pick you up when you fall. So we have this, while we have this coming kingdom participation in the kingdom out there, we have a mandate and responsibility to care for one another in here. Got it? And so what I want to do is I want to just invite you into this kingdom, right? And the scriptures say whoever calls upon the name of the Lord says, Jesus, your king, is saved. It says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that we were sinners using our, our treasure, our possessions for our own gain, walking away and missing the mark, That we were sinners, and yet we get to declare out loud that Jesus is the Lord. He brought a kingdom to establish, and he gives us his power through the resurrection. If you believe that in your heart and confess that in your mouth, he says you're safe. So what I want to do in just a second, right in a second, I just want to give you a moment to just say out loud or in your heart, whatever you want to do, Jesus, I believe you're Lord. So while we're kind of in this moment, I want many of us just to pause and go, God, what do I do with my treasure? You can talk to him personally. But for those of you who have like your heart racing going, I think, I think God wants me in his kingdom. I think Jesus wants to be my lord and king. But I just want to offer you an opportunity just to pause, acknowledge where you've missed it, and ask him to be lord of your life. And so if you want to do that, you can bow your heads. You can keep your eyes open. It's, it's all up to you. And I'm going to give you some words to say. And if you want to say them out loud, you're welcome to. If you want to say them in your heart, that's fine too. But it's not these words you say, but it's what your heart reveals that you believe there's a king. And you believe he paid a pretty ransom to invite you into his kingdom and that he wants you in it now, Inauguration Day for you, in his kingdom. And he wants it for you through all eternity. You get that now. And so let me give you some words to say right here with the God of the universe, whose ear is bent towards you, whose heart is wide open, and going, come on, please just see me. Please just have the courage. Like he's just, His Spirit has given you this opportunity to say these things. He's going, Holy Spirit, would you just give them the courage? And I just want you to say in your heart or out loud, Jesus, I'm sorry that I've missed this my whole life. I've messed it up. I've hurt people. And I've hurt myself. And I've wasted many years. But with my whole heart, I want to live in and experience your kingdom And Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Take all of me. Take my resources. Take my failures. Take my fears. Take my pain. And Jesus, would you exchange them for your blessedness and your joy? And may I live in that all the days of my life. If you just said to the God of the universe, he heard you, the angels are celebrating you, and you have just become a child of the most high God, and you have been inaugurated into the coming kingdom. And now you get to live in it, and you get to live in it together. We get to do that. So I just would challenge you at some point, since this is a kingdom we all get to live in, with Jesus as king, it makes sense to tell your brothers and sisters, I'm your brother, we're your brothers and sisters, so would you have the courage, either in this moment, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand, or Write it down in the bulletin you got, or text us 610-869-2140. Email us, fill out the connect card, wherever you are. If that's you, would you have the courage to let us know? No, if you're in the room, I get the privilege of just celebrating right now. I'll bring you up front. I'm not going to do anything weird. I just want to say, welcome to the kingdom. Is there anybody in this room? Would you just toss up your hand? Anybody in here? If you're online, would you have the courage to just click the little raise hand button on our online platform and just let us know in the chat feature, so we can celebrate you and say welcome to the kingdom. Now for all of us, would we have the courage in this moment to ask God to come into our lives, and we have the courage to state we want to build our life on Jesus as King. Would you stand with me and me as we sink. Thanks, guys. Night, uh, my 13 year old son Briggs uh, just couldn't sleep at all. Like, uh, we were interacting with him when he's supposed to be in bed, 9, 10, 11, and then during that, what we call the third watch, that 12 to 3 a.m., he just was wide awake, wide awake. You'd walk in and talk to him, and his eyes would just be wide open, wide open. And I don't know if you've had those experiences you're just wide awake. And what I want to pray for you today is that that's how your life would be, that you would walk wide awake. Now, I hope you sleep well, but I walk wide awake eyes wide open and you get a great opportunity to do that right now you can load up your car head home grab some uh a change of clothes and head on over to lincoln university and you get to experience and live into the kingdom of heaven today so let me pray for you me pray that your eyes would be open and we'd see the kingdom of heaven and then this i'll dismiss you holy spirit you're real and active and your coming kingdom is ruling and reigning now and will be ruling and reigning for all eternity So Jesus, would you give us eyes to be wide awake, Lord, to see your kingdom, to see you at work and place ourselves, place our treasure, place our souls into that coming kingdom and participate in bringing it more fully to this earth. So Holy Spirit, would you empower us? And would you give us the courage to live fully alive and fully awake? And I pray these things in your name, amen. Love you guys and we'll see you next week.